Welcome to episode 67 of All the Small Takes. Friday afternoon. This is the first like pre six o'clock podcast we may have ever done. It's a Friday afternoon at like 5.40. So this is like a happy hour podcast. It is. For the Small Takes. And there's nowhere I'd rather be than with John and Cooper on the Google Hangout. Guys, how's it going? Pretty good. Sure. Cool. All right. Cooper, how yeah. about you? I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm just on Twitter, as I always have at the beginning of the podcast. So, yeah, John, how are you? I said pretty good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Are we moving on? All right. Off to a hot start. Let's so move on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right after we shared, we shared our feelings. Let's get on with it. I would just like enough. to say it was like 3.45, and Cooper's like, hey, my thing got canceled. Are you guys ready to podcast now? And John was like, let's podcast now. And then Cooper had to remind John that some people – have jobs on Fridays. <laughs> it was a joke. No. Uh, I mean, I have a job on Friday, but right. I mean, I my a, job gets out of free. Yeah. I have a job on Friday. It lasts all the time. I'm running a law journal, so. Oh, yeah. that's cute. No, it's really not, but it's okay. <laughs> but at least you can give us legal advice. Nope. You're, nope. you're so close. Give you publishing advice. Yeah. Give that. That might, yeah. that might be helpful, too. If we ever decide to turn into a print publication. Yeah. You can help Jeff learn how to spell CJ McCollum's name. Mm. What the Shade. heck were you doing in this Google I was, doc, I was typing really quickly. <laughs> All right. Let's get you back in the rails. Let's Friday. get back in the rails. Well, yeah, let's recenter ourselves. It's Friday right. afternoon. We're here. We have a lot to cover. We don't even have that much to cover, but we're going to actually get last. Uh, before we do that, check us out on Twitter, like Cooper mentioned. At small takes, all the small takes at gmail.com, Facebook, all the small takes, and uh, subscribe, download, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, anything before we get started? We usually have housekeeping items. I don't have anything tonight. Nope. 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 Cool. Nope.com. Let's talk about college football. We did the Pac 12 conference preview last week. We do not know much about the Pac 12. So, John, I know you missed. I know you also did not listen to last week's podcast. Well, I haven't listened yet. Let's not say it in like a <laughs> you know, definitive style. It's just it's not something that's been accomplished yet. Okay. Do you want to really quickly try to guess maybe a couple of our Pac-12 superlatives? Uh, sure. You guys, did you guys pick USC or Washington to win? Well, we, we did the will a Pac-12 team make the college football playoff. I'm guessing you said no. Cooper said no. Oh, you said yes. I said yes. I, I believe in the Huskies. You believe in the Huskies. It's interesting because yeah. Cooper also said that a Big 12 team wasn't going to make it. I know. So I think Notre Dame's going to make <laughs> it or another, or <laughs> the SEC is going to double up again <laughs> because Ohio State's not going to be eligible for the postseason. So they're out. <laughs> no. You missed a little bit in the Ohio State uh, discussion too, John, while you were uh, away, sure. away in France. That was probably for the best that I wasn't mm-hmm. here for that, for the initial part of that discussion. Probably. Yeah. No, I saw a lot of, actually saw a live shuffleboard game. I had not seen that before in France. Um, uh, also, uh, Elvis dance competition uh, with a bunch of folks that were retired and Georgia fans that had been, yeah, they had been drinking the free wine all day. They were from Australia, but they were lived in Georgia now. And they really got into the Elvis dance competition. Uh, 
<laughs> that was a little, a little too much. <laughs> Did you or Prison Kate get into the Elvis dance competition? Um, we had to for our our team because uh, the other the rest of our team was over seventy, I think. Nice. We were the youngest people on the on the cruise, so we had fun though. Had a good time with it. Yeah, saw saw PSG's uh, home stadium, so that was neat. And saw where Joan of Arc got burned. Also cool. But they built like <laughs> less neat. Less well, neat. I mean, contracts. Yeah. <laughs> they built they built this really ugly church there, which is just a bummer because the the play the city where it is, which is raw. Is uh is beautiful and has lots. Sorry, of, what's the name of the city? It's uh it's uh you have to growl it. Uh, that's how what's how how we were told by French people. It's like raw, like that, spelled R O U E N. Anyway, a lot oh, of, of course, beautiful yeah. churches there. Yeah, a lot of beautiful <laughs> churches there. But the thing that they built on Joan of Arc's, well, not her grave, because they scattered her ashes everywhere so that no one could recover them. Um, the English, that is. Uh, but uh, where she was burned very ugly church so would not waste any time going there go to all the other churches there we avoided the poisoning though at uh, notre dame that happened on saturday oh so good they po- yeah they poisoned the holy water so we had gone there the sunday before and saturday we went to sacre Coeur instead um so we missed out on that experience good thing yeah i don't have any fomo about that so yeah glad to have you back safe and not poisoned i know i know so am i and have you changed your opinion on uh, your favorite European country? Um, well, so like I only saw so like with England, we saw a lot of England, but France, we really I saw Normandy and Paris, and Normandy power ranks above Paris in my mind. Um, I think it's a better place to go and spend time than just the city. I haven't seen the South or the West. Normandy's pretty dope though. It's up there, yeah. If Normandy was the country, I might, it might be my favorite, but it's pretty cool. It's a cool place. Okay. A lot of sheep, a lot of apples, big into apples in Normandy. Yeah. Who knew? So we were talking about the ACC. Yeah. Nice so I'm, glad, I'm glad we debriefed <laughs> on your, your little sojourn to Europe. That was good. We missed you this week. In all seriousness, it's good to have you back. I missed you guys too. Even though you didn't listen to the Man. podcast. <laughs> well. At least there's a there's a point, you know. It's only so much with missing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not not to the point of shedding blood, you know, as Saint Paul says. Anyway, so the ACC, as I was saying, we are doing ACC conference preview superlative style this week. Similar to the Pac-12, we found out very quickly as we were brainstorming for this that we do not know that much about the ACC, and so. Similar to last week with the Pac-12, we're going to begin with, and this is kind of spoiled. Cooper spoiled the fun because he looked up and, and tried to jot down and did jot Hold down. Hold on, I didn't games. look up any of them. No, you didn't look up. Correction, yes. No, no, I did but, but he was memory. He no, he yes, was, I did prepare for the segment. I'm sorry. Cooper, Cooper also That's played true. Jeff and I and got us to disclose a couple names. No, that is not true. I think it's true. Um, the segment for, for context is to name all the teams in the ACC. There are 14 of them. We thought this would be a challenge for Cooper. We said, great, this will be, it's be, it's be a great segment for the podcast. And Cooper yeah. decided right then and there to go ahead 
and start making his list. And then as John and I were discussing other ACC teams and ideas for superlatives, Cooper just used our discussion as fodder to complete his list. I think we should so change the segment. To be totally clear, in that communication, you, I think, included, you, the two of you, talked about maybe four ACC teams, which were Wake Forest, Florida State, Miami, and that honest, oh, NC State. Those were the four teams. Well, great. Maybe so Virginia Tech. I think Cooper should have to name the schools either alphabetically or <laughs> geographically going north to south. <laughs> Just From to make north this, to south? Make this a more fun segment, yeah. All right, I might be able to do that. Go. It's tricky, though, because okay. they go so, west. Don't mess up. I know. So one of the, we're going to get – one of them is going to be challenging. All right, so BC, Syracuse. Are you sure Syracuse is not further north than BC? It's pretty far north. No, I'm not. It is pretty far north. I'm pretty far north. pretty sure that's right. It's going to be close. Okay. Um, you can continue. They're 1A, 1B. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Pit. Hmm. Hmm. All right, let's do Louisville. Uh, you, already, you already whiffed on one. Yeah. Did I really? Virginia. I said, oh, Virginia's next north. And then no, Virginia's Virginia not next north. Yes, it totally is. Are you kidding? Are you looking at a map? No. I'm not looking at a map. It's in Charlotte. <laughs> do you, where, is, where do you think I Virginia is? Yeah, so I would have said Louisville and then Virginia, Virginia Tech. Okay, and no, then, you so have, you have... Are those mixed up? Are those flip-flops? Actually, no, 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 sorry. I was, uh, that might be the right order. Yeah, I think that's the right order. Charlottesville is, is south. It's south okay. of Richmond. Yeah. But Louisville's really far south. No, it's not. It's no, in, not it, really. It's at the bottom of Indiana. Yeah, dude, chill out. All right. The North Carolina ones are just, like, impossible because you're asking me to freaking do it in order of Duke and North Carolina. I'm like... I think it's Duke, North Carolina. I'm pretty sure it's Duke, North Carolina. Don't forget NC State. But, but NC you skipped State, two other ones. NC State is north of them, and Wake Forest is south of both of them. Okay, so now we just have this random order. So now they're not in order anymore. Do you want to hear? All right, sorry. So after Virginia, Virginia Tech, I think it's no. I'm finishing this. So after Virginia, Virginia Tech, it is North Carolina State, Duke, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Miami. I at least named all of them. I don't know if they're in geographic order. I feel pretty good about it, though. I have no way to fact check you. I wasn't counting, but um, it was a fun It was a fun exercise. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that was geography with the small takes. Um, so yeah, those are all the teams in the ACC. Uh, my funny story about Wake Forest is that I thought it was in Wisconsin until like pretty late <laughs> in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Like we're talking like high school. Oh man! <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you know what their mascot is? The Demon Deacon. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know All right. What? what uh, what's is... their religious affiliation? I have no clue. So guys, I really messed up North Carolina. I went back yeah, to fact check myself. No, so Virginia is north of Virginia Tech, but it is. Yes, it is. Duke, Wake Forest, NC State, and North Carolina. I've been yeah. to all those schools too which is a little disappointing wait is cooper our acc renaissance man have you been to every acc school no but i was talking i've been to those north carolina schools i should have done better with that wait so i've been to miami i've been to Pitt. i've been to louisville which ones have you been to i've been to bc so that's four 
Which ones have you been to, Cooper? Can we have we have Let's not between, go the, this. between the three of us? We we could be we could we you know we've sold ourselves short on knowing the ACC. That's all I'm saying. I have, I have no been, idea. I haven't been to any. You haven't so. been to any. I don't think okay. so. I do not contribute to the team whatsoever here. That's okay. We'll just move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have only a few other conference superlatives for the ACC. The next one we can do is the team most likely to be caught up in an academic scandal that is then subsequently swept under the rug or underpunished by the NCAA. Cough, cough, North Carolina. John, I feel like this is your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's see. Um, well, I don't know. I feel like Louisville's a sleeper because people forget that they, they can have scandals in football as well as basketball, you know? And they could go for the trifecta with having a disgraced donor, disgraced basketball coach, and all you need now is a disgraced football coach. And they've got, and now, and I think a reason to bet on them here is because they've got a guy with a little bit of experience, you know, behind the wheel. But Bobby Petrino, I mean, he knows uh, his way well, around behind, the scandal. Behind the handlebars, actually. The handlebars. Yeah. <laughs> he knows his way around a scandal, you know. Um, but I mean, there could be some latent things at Florida State. You know, you never know what Jimbo Fisher was sweeping under the rug and stuff could come out. Georgia Tech had that thing with the basketball coach allegedly sexually assaulting people, but then that turned out to be nothing. Um, I mean, Clemson's whole football team is just weird. I think we've talked about that in the past, like with Ben Bolware and like uh, kind of the stop action shots of what the defensive line was doing to people and they tackled them. Um, so that's a little bizarre. Uh North Carolina is a perennial favorite. Virginia's got all the white supremacists there, so I don't know. Gosh, it's hard. It's not one that we got Miami. Yeah, everything wrong. Name every team in the ACC. Yeah. Well, there are no choices left, so we're moving on, right? Yeah. I think John covered it. This is really John's yeah. area yeah. of expertise. I like the Louisville pick, and people, people, I don't know if they forget. People will definitely <laughs> notice that the their stadium is named. Papa John Stadium. Well, it's not anymore. They took it down. I don't know what it's. I don't know what it's named now. <laughs> Rick Pitino Memorial Field. Probably, yeah. It's probably part of the settlement agreement. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, that that feels like enough coverage for that question. Cooper, anything? No, I got nothing. Cool. Uh, team most likely. This is kind of a serious one. Team most likely to give the three of us. Heartburn when they play Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, as a quasi member of the ACC, has John help me out three or four ACC opponents every year on the schedule. Um, we have four or five. Um, four or five. Yeah, we have four this year. Four um, ACC games this year. Do you want me to name Which, them? Or... No, nah, it's okay. okay. We'll, we'll, we'll end up talking about obviously most of them. Cooper, we'll start with you. Oh, hi, Caitlin. Hey, Prison Kate. Prison Kate says hi. She's reminding me about the time. Okay. We'll hurry it up. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Cooper, what uh, what team in the ACC scares you most on Notre Dame's schedule? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to do a quick shout-out here. Initially, I was hoping that Boston College was on our schedule because somehow Boston College had, on the Athlon um, preseason All-American teams, they had, I think, like five players, uh, which was tied for – um, third in the country, which I thought was outrageous. So apparently Boston College is going to kind of like have like a sneaky good team this year, but alas, they are not on Notre Dame's schedule. And they play Notre Dame tough even when they don't have good teams. Yeah, Books, except for yeah, last so year. That's who, I, but, yeah. that's who I wanted to pick. Um, and then also the Navy game doesn't conveniently come right before an ACC game. Um, and it sounds probably too cliche to pick 
for a state. So I'll just go with Virginia Tech because they're probably going to play good defense. And um, who knows? I think that one's on the road, too. It is. It is on the road. Yeah, that's going to be a tough game. But it's in October, and I think that suits Brian Kelly. That's his favorite month to coach. And it's the week after Stanford, so like maybe like the Stanford game is a close game, and we have like a little bit of a a lapse. Who knows? Okay, John. Yeah. So um. Okay. So I I I think it's fair to pick the Virginia Tech game as a game that we could lose, but I think the heartburn question is different. And I think the team that's going to give us heartburn is Syracuse, not because they're good, but because they're freaking annoying, and because they the but also that they play uh, they play up tempo which in the past has proven to be a real problem for our defense. Um, we have we don't handle Temple well. Maybe it'll be different in the second year of his scheme. But that was kind of how Wake Forest got to us, how NC State got to us a bit last year. I mean, we ended up beating those teams by a comfortable margin. But the second half got a bit close because they decided to pull some tempo out. Syracuse is probably going to play tempo the entire game, um, and that's going to be difficult. They're also going to turn the ball over a lot, so I think we're probably going to end up winning. But the final score is probably going to be like 50 to... 25 something like that where it's like a 25 point margin so it's not close but the other but they've scored way more than they should have scored yeah like at one point it's 14 to nothing syracuse yeah and it's like oh my gosh what's happening well i think it's going to be more like at one point in time it's 21 to nothing notre dame and we're like oh great you know they've got this one (laughs) in the bag and then all of a sudden it's going to be 21 14 and then you know yeah and then Syracuse is getting the ball out of halftime. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Notre Dame loves that script too. They love the like fall down by a lot early to a team or jump up early and then let them slowly crawl back into it. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with the Florida State game. I'll take the obvious one because it's at home, but this strikes me as similar to the Georgia game last year, going to be like 40% percent ish florida state fans and they'll be tomahawk chopping and and making their presence felt in notre dame stadium did you check the date of the game though yeah it's it's late in the season i understand that i know it's november it's november 10th yes but i think that's like that that's the same way that the Georgia game was like, what was the first game that Georgia had played north of the Mason Dixon line in like oh, 50 years? This yeah, is different. Yeah. I understand that. But mm-hmm. for Florida State fans, that's like a trip you make. This oh, yeah. Be the Notre Dame home game. That's really a road game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it also could come against a Florida State team that I think is going to be very good this year with DeAndre Francois back. Um, uh, yeah, that'll be a very, very tough game. And if it's the Notre Dame season goes the way we hope it does, then that game will have pretty large implications that late it's, in the season. It's going to be a huge game. I think it's prob- odds are it's going to be a gross um, situation in the stadium, too. Maybe not snow, but like just cold <laughs> drizzle, you know, because that's mm-hmm. what happens in November in South Bend. And I think that could benefit Notre, not benefit Notre Dame in like this global sense that they're a cold-weather school and Florida State's a warm-weather school but benefit Notre Dame's system because we're going to run the ball a lot more and Florida State's going to try and pass the ball a lot more. It's more difficult to do that when it's cold outside. I mean, there's also just as good a chance that it's 50 degrees and just gorgeous outside. Yeah. Well, so that everyone feels uncomfortably warm in their, like, uh-huh. like Under Armour dry fit long sleeves and crap. Yeah. We're going to have someone get heat struck on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that game, hopefully that game is enormously important for Notre Dame. And Florida State, maybe, too. But that one will be one that induces a lot of anxiety. I just can tell you. 
Uh, last question on the ACC. This is the question we're asking with every conference. Will they put a team in the playoff? Cooper. Yeah, I like Clemson a lot. I think they're going to be really good. I think they might be the best team in the country. I mean, you're looking at a defensive line that I think, I mean, you're all four are going to be pros. We'll be playing on Sunday. I think three of them are probably good enough to be drafted in the first round. I don't really care who plays the quarterback for them. Um, I think Clemson's really good. Uh, and it would take, I think, something crazy for them not to be in the playoff. I mean, they've been in this playoff era almost as consistent as Alabama. Four out of five um, which years. Speaks, yeah, which speaks a lot to, you know, how good of a program they have been. Okay. John? Uh, no. Um, I don't think one of them is going to make it. And I think it's a different reason from the Big 12 and the Pac-12 where I think that conferences are a little on the weak side. And that's going to um, – the weak side and none of the teams are going to look amazing. I think with the ACC, I think there's actually a, a good top tier of teams. Um not where I, I agree with Cooper that Clemson is really, really good. But in college football, as long as you have enough of the right stuff that, that happens in a given night, you can still lose. And I think Florida State, Miami, and maybe even Louisville or NC, or yeah, there, there's enough teams that if everything broke their way, they could beat Clemson. Virginia Tech. I think that's a problem for them. Yeah, Virginia Tech's a big one. I mean, there's enough teams, enough of those teams floating around. Um, and then I think also that. They're going to, I think either the Big Ten or the ICC is going to be strong enough to where they can potentially put two teams in the playoffs this year. And that's going to be a real problem for these other conferences. And of course, Notre Dame's going to make it. Spoiler alert. Um, but huh, I mean, otherwise, otherwise, it doesn't make sense for me to say that, you know, these other three conferences aren't going to put two teams. Yeah. You got to do like the mental math and figure out that, uh, well, we got to leave one spot open just in case. Yeah. We're, yeah, just we're case. getting there to our, we have to figure out when we're going to do our Notre Dame preview podcast because we do only have two weeks left. We'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I'll say no as well. I'll agree with John. Um, Clemson. I know their defense. To Cooper's point is excellent, but the quarterback situation is dicey. Kelly Bryant may not even be the starter. I think there's a true freshman who is really vying for the job and putting some pressure on Kelly Bryant. But anytime there's an uncertain quarterback situation like that, um, and like John said, too, I mean, the game they lost last year was a Friday night at Syracuse, and Kelly Bryant got hurt. And if you've mixed that, those type of freak games in a tough conference, like John said, and with the fact that you don't even know who your quarterback really is, is going to be throughout the season, I think that's a recipe for Clemson to not what if end up. Two quarterbacks who could both be the best quarterbacks in the conference. It's pretty insulting. Which is to- probably true. Are we jumping to the NFL preview right now on the Eagles? Or no, I'm just like throwing that out there. No, well, well it, it applies, John. I agree with you. But, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant could be the one and two best quarterbacks in the conference. Probably are but the best. Only one can play at a time, though. Yeah, but I'm just like nullifying your freak injury idea. Fair. But you aren't nullifying the fact that there's a lot of tough teams in the ACC, and they, even with... I think you guys are... Big time overhyping Florida State. What has Florida State done in the past years that make you think they're going to be good? I mean, they were ranked. Like, the what happened to their before Francois got hurt? Okay, and then Francois got hurt, and they did what? They went like four and. Did they go four and eight? They went they seven and five. Game. Oh, that's and right. Like, they didn't make a ball. Barely, they did like not a, make. Yeah. And there was so like a technicality. <laughs> they rescheduled a canceled He's, game so they could be ball eligible. Yeah. I just don't think a team like a program, if you're Florida State, like 
and you think you're as good as you are, goes like that just shouldn't happen, regardless of if you lose your starting quarterback. Um, I think Miami has a chance to be good, but outside of, like Louisville's not going to be good. Louisville's going to have a really bad year. NC NC State, I don't think it's going to be good. Like Virginia Tech's always. Eh. I don't think the conference is really as strong as you guys are making it out to be. But you think so? You think Clemson is clearing away the best? Yeah, by far. I don't even think it's close. I don't know. I just think that they're bound they're bound to slip up at some point. I, I I want this axis of power of Alabama and Clemson to be broken. Clemson. It's not going to. I think you are you know, rolling towards another Clemson and championship game. We'll see. Which have been pretty good games, so I don't know really what you're complaining about. Parody Cooper. That's true. Okay. That'd be fine. Okay. So NFL, John segue to it. We are to do a new segment, quick game. Name that starting QB here halfway through the NFL preseason. A handful of teams still have quarterback controversies in the works or developing or that have already been in full force for some time now. John, we can start with the Eagles since you brought it up. We'll start with you. Who will be the Eagles quarterback? Name that starting QB. We're talking yeah, one, I'm gonna... Who's the starting quarterback of week one? Who's the starting quarterback week one? Because right now, I mean, right now the starting quarterback is Nick Balls. I think that's. But he got hurt. Well, yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think the reports came out and he's fine. Um, uh, Did that come out today? It came out shortly after the game, I think. Mm, but like, so they like, haven't done like the MRIs or anything. Mm. But it was mm. like a. It was like a shoulder strain or something. Anyway, I think he's probably going to be the week one starter. Um, but I think there's also a decent chance that. I don't know who the Eagles are playing in the first week, but if they were to get up and, you know, if the if, if there's garbage time in the fourth quarter, maybe um, – actually, no, they wouldn't put Carson Wentz in at that point. So, no, I think he's the week one starter. I think it's just a give Carson Wentz one week and everyone else gets, a, a you know, a week to be tired, and then you put Carson in. Um, I think that's probably what they do. Um, either that or they give him, like, a four-week cushion. Just to make sure everything works well. They open against the Falcons. <sighs> Man, that didn't work. As okay, well, so, so I was going to. Yeah, so I, de- I definitely think Nick Falls is probably gonna. Never mind. He's probably gonna be the Week One starter. I don't think they would put. I think if they were playing like, I don't know the Buccaneers, they're pretty bad, right? If they were playing a bad team, I think they'd be fine starting Carson once. But I think they'd rather start Nick Falls against a good team, and then Carson gets hopefully in the next game against. You know, garbage time team. Who do you so want? I was hoping. Who do I want to be the starter? Yeah, like long term. Um, He's it seem long. Oh well, so like ten years from now, I think Carson. Went, I want Carson. No, 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 just this season, though. Oh, the season. Oh, I probably Is that want. Not obvious. I mean, I want Carson wants to be the starter, but I like. I mean, emotionally, I yeah. Think I, I want emotion. I know that because I have emotional feelings. Right, yeah, and that's both, what I was getting yeah, yeah. at. I, I mean, it's difficult, because like, I really like Nick Foles, because he came back. I thought he was good. Like, I didn't think he was a bad quarterback, because he had been successful with Philly, and he went through that whole postseason where everyone said he was garbage the whole time, and then he won the Super Bowl. Um, and so there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I know I want him to be the starter, because he deserves it. But there's also a part with Carson Wentz that it's like, well, Car- he's the really the, the, you know, the whole impetus for the whole renewal. Like, I mean, he was the guy they brought in with Doug Peterson and, you know, it's like, um, it's like Reese Hoskins. Yeah. It was the process or like, kind of like Reese Hoskins too, where he was the, he was, you know, like the spark. And then everyone was like, Oh no, maybe this team could actually be good, you know? And 
So I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be happy either way. I like. I think in a perfect world, I would love both of them to be on the roster for like the next ten years, and have both of them retire as Eagles. Um, and maybe, I mean, probably have Carson be the starter the whole time. But I'd like. I don't want Nick Foles to walk to walk away and start for another team. Oh well, that was disappointing. I was hoping John hadn't read the reports that came out like five that the like MRIs confirmed that Nick Foles' injury wasn't that serious. Yeah, I saw that. So that was disappointing. I was hoping to kind of like get some anxiety out of John. That, you know, the Eagles were going to have to start like Teddy Bridgewater week one. Um, well, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the Jets starter, so he won't be available. Teddy two That's next. That's next. <laughs> All right. So I. Obviously, think Foles is going to be the starter um, week one, and I think that as soon as Wentz is healthy, he should come back. I don't. I mean, obviously, like I am more impartial than John is. I don't have like an emotional connection. I think clearly uh, Carson Wentz is a better quarterback um, and should play. I, don't, I just don't think it's close. I don't even think I, it should be a debate. I understand why it is a debate. Like, I think it makes total sense. But um, I'm done. like Ohio State went like I think went through the same thing with Cardell and JT Barrett you know, whatever, three years ago. So, like, I know that, but I think Carson definitely is quarterback in the future and should be quarterback in the team as soon as he's healthy. But that being said, they need to be careful not to rush him back. Um, and they shouldn't need to because they have a Super Bowl winning quarterback. What is his timetable right now? I actually don't know. Um, he's He could start week one, but they're being really unclear about everything. Because I think he's passed... All, everything and they've done they were going to do a contact drills in practice and then they decided to just pull it because the doctor was like well you don't have to do it yet and they're like okay then we won't um I, I think they put it off by a week so there's a potential you could start week one but i think like they're probably they're probably going to wait until i mean they're not going to wait until halfway into the season to put them in i think it's going to be the first quarter of the season that they see him it's just a question of if it's game one or if it's game four. You know, which one of those is he going to come in at? Because he's going to be ready. It's just, do they like how much extra time do they want to get the tendons and all that other you know stuff to do? Okay, I'll just agree with you guys because it sounds like it's pretty, pretty likely that it's, uh, it's Foles week one. Uh, week one starter for the Jets. Kind of alluded to it, uh, Cooper. We can start with you. So this is not what I want them to do but what i think they're going to do um just because they're the jets and i think they're dumb um sam Darnold will be the starting quarterback for the jets week one you think that's not the right move no i don't think it's the right move i don't think sam Darnold's ready to play in NFL but preseason if you look at his yeah preseason man it looks really good if you look at his snaps under center versus his snaps uh and shutdown what like efficiency wise. He's clearly still not very comfortable taking uh, the ball under center, uh, which I think is a big problem in the NFL. And then of course you're like you're playing these preseason games against defenses that are pretty much in their base defense um and not really doing anything to like disrupt you and all that stuff. And I just I think Sandra will struggle uh, as a starting quarterback. I don't think he should be a starting quarterback, but I think the Jets are under a lot of pressure, especially because he is performing well and it's New York and all that. Stuff that goes with it, and I think uh, we will start for them. Okay, John, what do you think? Um, so I don't. Okay, I'll tell you what I think they should. What I think they should do before I tell you what I think they will do. Um, and I, I kind of agree with Cooper, where they shouldn't start him right away because 
I mean, when teams draft this new quarterback, they've got all this new excitement and like everyone, you know, everyone is waiting to see Sam Darnold. Jets fans are excited to see him. They're like, we got this guy, we got this hope, we got this guy we can build around. Um, and I think you need to guard that. Like you don't want to hold on to it the whole time because then everyone just gets stale. And they're like, why the heck hasn't this guy played yet? But it's kind of like with Brady Quinn where they like threw him to the dogs and it was bad. But I think if they hold him out and they let Teddy Bridgewater play instead, then they could give him a couple games to just sit on the sidelines and watch things, maybe get in a garbage time when they've already lost a game or something like that, and get used to the timing of the NFL a bit more and then play, kind of like what the the Bears did with uh, Mitchell Trubisky. I think that's what they should do. I think there's a decent chance that that's what they will do because because the Bears did that last year. But I think what I think Cooper's right. They're probably going to follow the other pattern, which is you start the rookie and then you pull him four weeks in, four or five weeks in when he's bad, and you put the old guy in who hasn't been practicing with the first squad, and then he's bad, and then you pull him, and then you put the rookie back in again. I call it the Deshaun Kaiser method because um, that's what the Bears <laughs> do to him. And I mean the Browns, the I mean. Browns, yeah, the Browns. That's what the Browns did to them, and it's just it's dumb because you waste your investment and. You either need to commit to the guy and leave him in for the whole season so he gets the experience, which it's fine if you're going to do that, but you have to be resigned to losing. And if you want to win, then what you should do instead is start the veteran so the rookie gets time and then put him in when you think his you know, talent curve has, fi- has, has surpassed the guy or, wh- or where, like, what he needs now is to be in games in order to learn. So I, I, don't, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starter week one. Sorry, I'll disagree with Cooper. But don't you think that Jets really aren't trying to win? I mean, they are trying to win right now, mm-hmm. but they're trying to play for the long. Like, they want Donald to develop into a franchise quarterback, so why not put him out there week oh, one yeah. and let him get the reps and the experience and the mistakes? Oh, because I think ultimately, if you're, if you're playing to win and you want... Okay, so even if you're not playing to win, if you're playing for the long haul, unless you're confident that the guy's not going to, like get totally blindsided the first week, like what the Eagles were with Carson Wentz, where they were like, wow, he can actually get the timing down. Then you hold him out until, you know, you can put him in and he, and he can be used to everything. Cause it, it just makes more sense that way. It makes more sense to let him sit and watch an NFL game, go through the, go through the methods and then put him in, in the middle of the season when maybe people aren't paying attention. Cause you're already bad. Like, cause they're what what they're waiting for is they're waiting for t- for Tom Brady to retire and getting Sam Darnold injured or you know into bad habits because he's scared to heck because of I don't know whatever the defenses he's facing are doing to him and ruining the guy's confidence is not the way to do that. So if you leave him on the sideline, maybe he can be more confident. I just think the history of quarterbacks in the league shows that sitting him a year is incredibly beneficial. I mean, you're yeah. looking at, I think, the three best quarterbacks in the league right now, and maybe even four, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, were not named starters week one of their rookie years. There are a lot of successful quarterbacks. I think probably more that set out than more that, that were just rushed into things. I mean, if you, you, you have teams that have won with guys that they've put in right away, like Marcus Mariota or... Uh, yeah, I mean, think about it. You're Cam almost Newton. in a year with the Titans right now, where it's like Marcus Mariota could. He's honestly this year is probably fighting for his career. Yeah, he is. But I'm still saying like that they that's won where the Titans that. are at. 
And they, sure. that was a guy that they thought was going to be a career guy, and he hasn't developed. And they but we'll never, we'll never know what he was, what he would have been like if they wouldn't have gone with him in year one and let him develop on the sideline, let him get used to being a professional, all that sort of stuff that goes with it. Well, no, okay. So I, I only think you do that when you don't think the guy has like the um, the mechanics to play. That's why you let Which him wait. Marcus Maria certainly dropped him. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jared Goff got thrown out the first week. But Cam Newton, I think, is like the best example. I think Cam Newton's the best, yeah. Okay. I mean, the, I, mean I, just, yeah. I still don't really know where we're at with Cam Newton. Did they make the playoffs? I, no, they didn't. I think we agree, though, that he's a, he's a franchise quarterback. He is a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he's a 10 year starter. Uh, and I don't yeah. think we, like, he's on a different level than Mariota is. He is on a completely different level than Mariota is. So I don't think like I think that's an example of how it can work, and he came out of college with not like he wasn't the prototypical NFL ready quarterback, but he he also has a different set of physical gifts and abilities than Sam Darnold. So to to bring this back to where we started, I I think the jet, I think Todd Bowles will I actually think he's a very good coach. I think he will do the right thing here, which I agree is to start Teddy Bridgewater and uh, let Darnold ease into it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I'm pushing back more. Tom Bowles is also fighting for his like he has to play Sam Darnold. Is he though? He I has mean, to. His team yes. overperformed last year. Like Tom Bowles has to understand that Sam Darnold is his quarterback and he is forever tied to him. And no, so therefore, like Sam Darnold has to play. I think that is the, I think you're in you're in the Mel Kuyper mindset, which is how NFL teams fail. Exactly. That's, that's but not this how is NFL how the NFL works. GMs, no, GMs and no, coaches are tied to the people that they draft. Like, that's just how it works. I'm not saying it's right. I already said that. I think the right decision is to sit him and probably sit him for the whole season. I wouldn't play him this season. I just wouldn't. I would sit him the whole season, but I think they're going to because they have to. That's how the incentives work. I don't think they have to because everyone knows the Jets are bad. It's not like he's playing for, I mean, the Steelers, like where, you know, you've won within this decade. You want a playoff game in this decade. I mean, the Jets are bad. They've been bad for a long time, and they're going to keep being bad. So you think and, Todd Bowles has a leash, a little bit of a, like, he's not feeling. Well, I mean, they brought they brought him back after last season, and they brought uh-huh. him back after the season before that, and there was absolutely no reason to do that. I mean, he, his team two years ago was bad. His team last year overperformed, and they still ended up getting, uh, uh, what's his face, Sam Darnold. And so now they've got a quarterback. And so now you should. What you should do is you should trust your coach, who's a guy that you've stuck with for however long. I mean, the time to fire him would have been before you got Sam Darnold. So you have a new coach and you have a new quarterback, and they can do everything together. I don't know. They're probably going to fire him like halfway through the season because that's how the NFL. That's how the Jets operate because they're a garbage organization. But uh, okay, so that was a little taste of what's to come with the NFL. It's just week two of preseason. Uh, let's do dope or not. We only have one dope or not for today. And we all, I think, are on the same side of this. So this is really just going to turn into a roast of Notre Dame football Shamrock Series uniform, which was released this week. It's being played in Yankee Stadium. It, there, there are so many things wrong with it that we could do like a, a power ranking, a fire four even, of bad things about this uniform. Cooper, I'll turn it over to you first. Uh, thoughts? 
What's the worst? Oh, part? I'm What's thinking the that fire forum that worth of the uniform would be pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. So worst part of the uniform. Yes. Ooh. There's so many bad things. While he's one, thinking, no, it's go very look clear. it up while he's thinking. Google Notre Dame 2018 Shamrock Series uniform suit. So you have a visual aid as Cooper talks through this. I think the it's, fact that they put the pinstripes on the shoes. Oh, that's not the worst thing. No, it's very just, clear what the worst thing about the uniform is. All right, you go, John. Sure, I need to think. It's it's the helmet. The helmet looks like it's black, and the jersey is is navy blue, and they they can lie. Mm. They can lie and say that mm-hmm. the helmet is is navy blue, but everyone everyone around the world is going to know that you know they screwed up and they accidentally put black paint in instead of navy blue. <laughs> and that's I mean that's the long and the short of it, and it looks dumb because of that. They don't match at all, and I don't know who thought it was a good idea. That is, I think that is easily the worst part. I think everything else could be dealt with. You know, it could be swallowed, but just the helmet. <laughs> it just it destroys it. It destroys it. It is like a fundamental so fashion, black and blue. Yeah. I was really close to breaking my uh, Twitter hiatus yesterday and tweeting about the black and the navy and then being like, you know, making some joke about how that's so like not fashion forward or whatever. But then I researched it, and apparently um, there's some uh, very uh, fashionable articles posted in magazines such as like GQ about how it's cool to wear black with navy. And then so I was like, that's well, it's, it's, that's, that's relativism just eating away at the core of our society. So bad that it's spit, it spit <laughs> itself back up it. to fashion. So that now you can wear navy and black. Isn't all yeah. fashion relativism? No, mm. it's not. It's about aesthetics. Aesthetics isn't relative. Okay, there you go. Let's go there. The good, the true, and the beautiful. Is that where we're going with this dope or not segment? <laughs> I don't know where we're going. Other things about the uniform. No, the, the pinstripes are awful. They put pinstripes on the gloves. They put pinstripes on the shoes. They put pinstripes on the shoulders. The pinstripe pants are probably honestly my favorite part about the uniform. Um, I like those a lot. Up there also in worst parts of the uniform is the decal that goes on the helmet. Mm. Um, Underrated. It looks like it be... It looks like it should be on like a miniature version of the helmet, and they accidentally put the miniature sticker on the big side, big size helmet. Wait, wait. So are uh-huh. we are are we upset with the design or with like the placement and the size of it? everything? Yeah, we're upset with that. They did not do anything. Okay, right. When it comes to the decal on the helmet, I think it's. I think like the design itself is very basic, and so if we're upset about because I think I think it works, but I think it's. Not it showed a, a considerable lack of effort. Yeah, huge lack of effort. Yeah, and like okay. I'm just so sick of Under Armour just overthinking everything. It's like that's just what they do when it comes to their uniforms. Like the Maryland uniform is like the prime example of overthought in design. I'm I am like, I'm disappointed <sighs> that yet again we've gone another year without having an authentic Golden Dome helmet with like the Blessed Mother on top. <laughs> <laughs> Puts a new a new meaning behind using your head as a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the target I don't know how you would officiate targeting. <laughs> I would be really easy. Are you kidding me? Just like spear fishing for people. <laughs> be like, yep, that's, that's true. All the you would have like a directional sense of the yeah. helmet with the He's yeah. clearly <laughs> leading this. <laughs> but seriously, I'm I'm actually really upset that we went another year without the matte black so we got to something that looks like a matte black helmet. <laughs> 
but it's it not, was such a tease. It was not, the, the yeah. video was so I was literally I mean I've said this like a, a couple times now. Like I was so excited when they released that tease video because the room was kind of dark and the lighting wasn't perfect, and I thought it was a matte black helmet with black jerseys and that cursive Notre Dame font, and I was so excited. And then the lights went on and he turned sideways and I like chucked my thumb. It was just awful. It was yeah. such a disappointment. I, 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 I so badly want the matte black helmet and then you carve out like a uh, outline of the dome in gold on the inside. How, or just matte black with gold, like gold ND. That would look awesome. Gold and black. Like, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good too. This is all about like a matte black helmet. I'm just, and I'm, I'm, I'm upset that again. I mean, I, I said before that we should have just gone all pinstripes on the top. Like, if you're going to put <laughs> pinstripes on the sleeves, just I don't, I don't get why we're, we're scared about putting pinstripes in the rest of the uniform. If it's too much, but we should have just got you go, go the whole George Costanza and just make them look like the Yankees, but you make them all cotton uniforms and yeah. then like just a little borrow, back to them. Just borrow the Yankees uniforms. Yeah. You don't even need to create new ones. Just wear the button ups. Yeah, and just maybe like uh, you know, iron on a monogram ND on the opposite side of the chest from the Yankees symbol. NYND. NYND. Yeah. Can we agree that the only thing that's good about these is the script on the front? Yes, as the uh, only as the one quality. redeeming quality. Yeah. And the pinstripe pants. I'm okay with actually, the pinstripe. Actually, I like the gold outline of the logo. I like the little nod to the gold there. Because it gets close to the matte black with the gold helmet. It's, I'm convinced that's the closest we're going to be in this life to the matte black gold helmet. An undersized logo on a helmet that's with an even tinier hint of gold. On something that is allegedly navy, yes. Notre <laughs> Dame is just not going to acknowledge that they've made a black helmet. It, it's... Yes. <laughs> the fakest news. Yes. It's, it's so upsetting. Did they really pinstripe the inside of the gloves, too? It's the details, John. Yes. That's they, so they pinstriped dumb. everything, man. Attention to details. Why didn't they do script Notre Dame on the inside of the gloves? You're asking the wrong person. Or the 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 dumb logo they spent, you know, five minutes making. You know, someone mm -hmm. in the athletic department decided that the helmet looked like it was matte black instead of matte navy, and they're like, "We got to do something to break up the whole helmet." And they're like, "Here, we got these bumper stickers from the last fundraising thing we did. We'll just <laughs> slap them on the side." You know. <laughs> We'll put them on. We'll put a coat of polyurethane on. They'll stay on until the end of the game. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Ugh. It does. It's, it's a bumper sticker affixed to a helmet. Yeah. The Notre Dame baseball team sent all of their bumper stickers that they haven't given away because <laughs> no one goes to the games. Yep. Actually, that would have been dope. The, have you seen the Notre Dame baseball green and gold uniforms? Oh, my gosh. Notre Dame baseball they oh. figured out the uniform game. So good. Next level. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what should have happened here. Yeah, do save, do save some coin. Yeah, yeah, save some coin. Use the baseball uniforms, and you uh -huh. can still sell them. They'll still yep. sell. Better than this. Uh, okay, let's do the wasted data because John uh, Prison Kate is quickly trying to escort John off to Friday night or something. So John, yeah. we'll start with you. Your wasted data. My waste of data is um, Dwight Howard got himself back in the news again by saying that he wanted to <laughs> evolve into Kevin Durant. Yes, which is. Um, Wait, no, it wasn't just Durant though. Like the Pokemon? <laughs> oh no, I didn't. Play? I so I didn't read the whole article. I just saw the headline. What can you enlighten us, Jeff? He wants to incorporate aspects of Durant's game, Anthony Davis's game, 
And there's, I feel like, one other player. He uh, wants to evolve into Anthony Davis, into Kevin Durant, but his own version of that. Yeah, so he's been playing in the NBA for 14 years. Um, and this is just bizarre. It's, I mean, I guess it's kind of sad, but it's also just bizarre. Like, it's weird. And then anyone saying that Kevin Durant is their role model is just, uh, it's offensive to me. Is anyone saying that? Well, I mean, he just said it. Like, you know, anyone saying Kevin Durant is their role model, it's just. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's what I meant. Anyway, so that, that was bizarre. Um, yeah, but I guess it's kind of par for the course for Dwight Howard now. He went from being like a megastar to being the NBA's biggest punchline. Nope. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Cooper. I, I have two. I will try and go through them quickly, and I will try not to use any words that I'm not allowed to use on this podcast because uh, both of them made me rather angry. Alexi Lawless tweeted out this week, and yes, I know he's a dear friend of the podcast, but I'm going to go after him for a second. Uh, he well, tweeted wonderful moment that will be oh, talking about Wayne Rooney's miraculous uh, goal. Well, not goal, assist. Sorry. Uh, first sliding tackle, then like 60-yard dime that he dropped on the guy's head. Uh, he scored the winning goal, who really do much better. This was his tweet. Wonderful moment that will rightfully be remembered, but not even close to the best goal in MLS history. But why are you amazed at Rooney's effort? He did his job, and any number of players could have pulled that up, play off. Which I was just like, he's the guy that after watching the video of like the Odell Beckham Jr. catch, like retweets videos of a high schooler doing that by himself in shorts. Like, well, well was, Alexi trying, was, was Alexi anyone trying can. to like pump himself up and say like, oh, best MLS goal? I don't know. Here's a here's a clip of a few. And it's just a YouTube clip of all his goals. So this yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just a bad take. Anyways, my next one is uh, made me more incensed. Uh, was Taylor Twellman, I think, tweeting out maybe like six or seven, and I might be mistweet misquoting him here, but whatever. You quote someone when you're talking about emojis. Um, <laughs> like seven or eight of the applause hands uh, responding that. to an ESPN tweet about how ESPN Plus is now going to be the exclusive provider of FA, FA Cup games in America. Uh, and this could not make me more angry because the fact that Taylor Tolman is supporting, I know he has to support his company, but like the fact that he, it's just so hypocritical. Um, this does nothing to like build soccer. It does um, nothing to remote it. The fact that it's just becoming more exclusive and harder to watch. And he has gone on like on the record several times, just bashing the fact that soccer is basically a pay to play sport. And it's only like, basically available to people who have money because soccer is a rather expensive sport to play. And yet this is like, that's exactly what's happening here. Like this isn't making it available to um, kids, you know, who might not have the money to pay for a $5 subscription to bogus content on ESPN plus. You don't want the coverage of cricket and curling that you can get it any hour of the day from ESPN plus. No, and just the fact that ESPN Plus now, now also, um, well, and has for, I guess, a couple months now, had the exclusive rights to MLS. And they're just, like, slowly but surely taking over all soccer coverage. Uh, and it's just bogus. And I want to say so many more harsh words here, but I'm not. Appreciate you censoring We're branding. Yeah, that's I mean, insane. We could have probably just gone, like, a whole, like, reggae horn over my wasted data. 
if you just want to yell something right now, I'll maybe I'll reggae horn it. Maybe I won't. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Swallow this fire. Mm-hmm. Save the bars for later. College football is coming. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll finish up really quickly. Uh, my waste of data is anyone who is defending or justifying. Uh, is it Jose Arena? Let me double check. I can't help you. I can't help I you. Know you can't. Jose Arena for the Marlins plunking Ronald Acuna of the Braves on the first pitch of the game on Thursday night, I think it was, so after soft. Acuna had, had hit yeah. a home run in five straight games. Urena decided the right way to address that was to hit him with a 97-mile-an-hour fastball on the elbow. Acuna had to leave the game, and the bench is emptied. Urena got suspended for six games, which John correctly pointed out means he will miss one start as a pitcher. And people were actually defending this on Twitter, and the best rebuttal to that defense I saw was that if a pitcher was throwing like a no-hitter or a perfect game against... Uh, opposing offense. The offense doesn't get to throw their bat out to the pitcher's mound or better yet, walk out to the mound and (laughs) take a whack at the pitcher's knee or leg or arm. So there's just like, there's no sense or peril. Like there's no justification for this. I know it's like there are people who've been in baseball for a long time and this has certainly happened in baseball over time, but we're reaching a point in the game where Young stars like Ronald Acuna should not be punished for being exciting and maybe a little bit, not even flamboyant, but emotional and interesting. He's just good. He got yeah. hit because he's good, yeah. which is ridiculous. This is the worst part about it is like, as a competitor, how do you? I just don't get how you do that. Like, you it's a, should it's want a, to play the best. It's so it's soft. Like, I know, if anyone, but it's, it's part uh, of baseball's culture and it's screwed up. It really, I, I, don't disagree with you, but there is a significant because that didn't just like Arena didn't just do that on his own accord. That was no. something that was dust in the Marlins clubhouse. But even if like a manager told him to do it, he should just said turned around and be like, "No, yeah. I'm going to strike him out." It's what you do as a competitor, right? Or or you do what the Cubs have done to Bryce Harper, and you intentionally walk him every time, and then you mess up his swing for the entire rest of the year. <laughs> they they did that two years the year they won the World Series. The the Nationals went up to the to the Cubs for a, a weekend series. The Cubs didn't want to face him. They intentionally walked him every time he came up, and he came out of that series like this shell of himself. It, it, there are mechanisms in baseball to not let the guy hit a home run. You could you could not throw a strike to him. That's probably the easiest way to do it. And you could throw an inside pitch to him. Like yeah, he has every right to, to own the inner half of the plate and to make a batter feel like they can't dive out over the plate. But that was so blatantly obvious and so intentionally that he wasn't trying to like make him feel uncomfortable, but he was trying to hit him and injure him. Yeah, it's bizarre. It was, it was shameless. It's assault. I mean, plain and simple. <laughs> yeah. If, if this happened in a back alley, at least one, one of them would be going to jail. I mean, that's... Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, it was good to see that it was pretty universally decried, though. And the people who did tweet in support of it got like ratioed into oblivion. So, I what did you say? Ratioed. 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 It's when the number of replies to your tweet is more than the number of favorites. So the ratio of replies to favorites. So, there. Yeah, it's 
it's the telltale sign of someone who has a terrible take. This is nice. Have we have we ever been ratioed? Well, it's easy to be ratioed when you've got like <laughs> one person liking the tweets and two responses. I'm pretty sure Carl's ratioed us before. Oh yeah, Carl. Get... Carl single-handedly ratios us. He's got to go on the blacklist. Shout out to Carl. <laughs> uh, okay, that is the show for the week. John, we'll let you get on with your Friday night. Cooper, what we'll you go to bed? I'm yeah, gonna make dinner. Six forty-five. I know. Yeah. I, can, I can see that you're you're fading quickly. Uh, thank you for listening to episode sixty-seven. We appreciate it. We will be back next week with more college football as the season gets closer and closer. Let us know what you thought of this show or any other show for it. Hit us up on social media. Leave a review. And until next week, we're agreeing with the Michigan game. <laughs> <laughs>